Hey guys, this is your host, John Palmieri. And I'm your host, Ahmed Shada. And we're back with another episode of Black Box Podcast. This episode, we will be diving into relationships, what makes them unhealthy and healthy, and how the modern era has affected not only the intimate dating scene, but friendships as well. All right, stay tuned. We're going to dive right into it. All right, we're going to spend some time talking about Tinder and the ubiquity of it among the fuckboy and the non-fuckboy communities. Tinder offers basically something for everyone. You could find a fling or something casual, but it could also be used for um, looking for that long-term someone special. In fact, um, in my time uh, as an undergraduate uh, from my fraternity, we had somebody from our international headquarters who was a uh, Tinderella. She got married to her boyfriend that she met on Tinder. All right, so let's give a little uh, background about Tinder. Tinder was released on September 15th, 2012. However, network-based dating has been around since the 1940s when a company called Introduction used data as a foundation for their matchmaking service. And uh, once you found a match, users would then pay 25 cents for the contact info of their match. Even though shit has obviously changed since then, choices for dating apps are definitely not limited. Besides Tinder, singles can look for a partner on Hinge, uh, Coffee Meets Bagel, OkCupid, Grindr, like, and many, many more. Though Tinder wasn't the first, it definitely made a splash and has had a huge influence on the online dating scene in general. Yeah, and these new methods of matchmaking, you know, seem to bring the experience, the dating experience to users wherever they are, as long as they have some type of technology, usually a phone on them and handy. But I think it's important to discuss the way, you know, this new this new dating experience as a whole is affected. It, you know, as of right now, this has only been around for, I don't know, how, how long is this? stuff been around for like 10 years at least i mean being used by a large portion of the population tinder's been around for not almost nine years now but i don't know it, it probably wasn't as popular when it first came out um but we were also like teen like pre-teens when this shit came out yeah yeah but okay it doesn't matter besides the point it's so new that we are just beginning to see, you know, the repercussions, good or bad, that have come out of introducing this new way of dating or, you know, meeting people in general. And it, it changes that entire, like, sector of life. Uh, you know, de- definitely as the episode goes on, we're going to try to discuss those changes that are taking place and still developing. And also, you know, at, at the end or at some point, we should try to conclude if it's overall good or bad for uh, humanity, I guess. Um, there was a study done by Pew Research that shows while the overall experience of dating apps pulls positive responses, they're usually followed by some shortcomings, of course, with people feeling frustrated. You know, well, the study said that 45% of people feel fus- frustrated while 28% of people feel hopeful. I feel like a lot of people are using this app. They're getting 
results that they want. They're meeting people, dating people, getting that experience. But at the same time, I feel like because it's, you know, strictly like a swipe based or you're, it's it's not the real interaction that you're getting face to face, which is where you really can gauge how a person is. You're basically just looking at stats. So I feel like people are going to like, I know like maybe I would at some point feel it some type of way, like I'm getting judged. And if I'm not getting the results I wanted, the amount of matches or whatever, like that would probably make me feel some type of way. I just don't really use dating apps that much. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that like the Tinder algorithm basically has like, like a hotness scale that it'll rate people based on how many likes they get, who likes them, how many likes that the person that they liked got. And like, we'll basically rate people and like hot people will match with hot people and people that the app doesn't think are hot will match with people that are not hot. I bet their algorithm is way more complex than we think it is. Yeah. Even being engineers, like, I feel like it's, it's probably pretty complex at this point because they've been building on top of it. I would hope, I mean, they are, but yeah, this like you're saying, like the amount of swipes or just the way that it calculates the statistics, they can determine who's considered attractive and who's not. But uh, while we are, you know, focusing right now on the topic of dating apps, it's only like it's only a small portion of the modern scene of relationships because, like I mentioned earlier, it's not just intimate relationships. There's friendships, office relationships, colleagues, you know, things like that, and I feel like social media as a whole and just the technological era that we're in has changed significantly all those types of interactions and how we get them and how they're maintained. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive into the first main section and then we'll get into the, the juicy stuff. All right, before we dive in, I just want to shout out Tyler Caffrey, also goes by Same Company, who produced that track for us that you've been hearing in our episodes. Uh, yeah. All right. Shit sounds amazing. All right, let's Fucking talk about good. relationships. What makes what makes a good and healthy relationship? Uh, well, I guess there's no simple answer. Uh, healthy relationships don't really look the same for everyone since everyone has different needs. Each person has their own specific needs for like communication, sex, affection, space, hobbies, values, and so on. These could change as people get older or go through like different stages in their lives, such as high school, college, your first job, and like it's probably pretty obvious, but high school relationships are nothing like college relationships, which are then nothing like college uh, relationships after college. And spark, uh, wow. Speaking uh, from my own uh, experience with my relationship, I've been in a relationship since my sophomore year of college. It's a great, yeah, it's a great, healthy relationship. Um, my girlfriend's name is Luna, and uh, our relationship definitely changed a lot since 
we were in college and now that we're both graduated and doing long distance, which is always fun. But um, well, we could talk about that a little bit later. All right. Uh, so quick shout out Looney Tunes. <laughs> the GOAT. Uh, obviously, everything that I'm going to say next is just my opinion. But I think it's uh, I think it's accurate to some extent. I have a good amount of relationship experience. I've been in maybe four or five. I think five. A few of them pretty serious. But I'm just going to talk about the aspects that make up a good relationship. And then what I think makes up a toxic relationship. So three main things that I want to emphasize when talking about healthy relationships. That would be communication, of course, honesty, and trust. So... You know, I'm going to dive in a little bit to each of them. I really say dive in a lot. (laughs) But I think communication is really important to any successful relationship, whether it be, you know, intimate friendship work. Because without it, if you're not communicating how you feel or what you want, need, or your intentions to another person, there's no real way for them to know. Uh, And they don't know how you're thinking or feeling. And then... On the other hand, when you are consistently communicating, you're letting that other person, you know, while you're also letting them know or allowing them to understand what you're trying to say or express, it also gives them the ability to, over time, like get to know you, how you think, how you feel and understand you just that much deeper. So I think that's really important. Um, Also, honesty. Uh, If you have an honest relationship, you know, it kind of also leads into the next topic of trust because if you're honest, then it's easier to trust you. But if everyone, if both people that are involved in the relationship or maybe multiple people, if it's a friend group or a family, if you're all being honest to each other and speaking your truth fully a hundred percent at all times, I feel like it takes a big strain off the relationship because if you know, the other person is always being honest and always expressing themselves that way, uh, you know, then it's more of like a clear cut, uh, clear cut exchange. You know, if you can clearly discuss anything you need with each other, it creates a more collaborative, positive environment where things can be discussed and solved and worked through instead of, you know, something where there is an honesty that stuff might not be there, probably wouldn't be there. Uh, third one, trust, which they kind of all work hand in hand, which I think most of us can agree on. But I think trust is the one that comes because of the other two. If you're constantly communicating and being honest, it's much easier to trust that person because you don't have to second guess things. You don't have to wonder if what they're telling you is fully true or if they're bending the truth or something like that. So trust would would most likely take a big hit if there wasn't a lot of honesty in the relationship. Um, and a big thing I want to say about trust is, you know, if it's not there, it's simply difficult to have a healthy collaborative relationship because there's always one person you know there's always going to be one person that's always going to be you know, second the, guessing yeah, you yeah second guessing and on the fence about your behaviors and then that leads to people you know feeling stupid because they're going out of their way for someone else but at the same time they're not even sure if the other person's being honest or giving the same kind of energy back they could be you know, once once trust goes out the door, everything really goes out the door because 
you don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. So, well, yeah, what? I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Of these three, which do you think is your biggest strength and which do you think is your biggest weakness? We didn't prepare for these types of questions. Yeah, we way. didn't, no. But my biggest strength and my biggest weakness? Uh, I think my biggest strength would be like trust and honesty. No, my biggest one is definitely honesty because I'm brutally honest. Like, I was I'd, rather, say the same. I'd rather say something and it hurt you in like the front, like right on as I say it, than to you have to figure something out later and then get hurt three times as, as much. Yeah, I, I even have a history of like oversharing with like my parents when I was a kid. Like, Bro, I was just so bad <laughs> no at keeping filter. secrets. <laughs> I'd be saying everything too. No, I know exactly what you mean. And, uh, I think my worst may be communication. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that communication is like guys are not good at that normally. I feel like on average, I'm pretty good, but there are times when I kind of like shut myself off and then I won't want to talk at all and I won't share anything. But if, if I, like I said, if I trust you, you're honest with me, you respect me the same way that I respect you, I'm going to be like completely 100% my genuine self around you. That's just yeah. how I am. And I will communicate how I feel and all that kind of stuff. But once I don't feel that energy coming back, then I'll just start to like close myself off. I don't and know. I think I feel like communication is one of those things that's like very hard to define. Like, what is good communication? Because there are times where like the right thing to say is to say nothing, and there are times where it's like, like I I could speak about this because I'm trying to learn about it. But um, when somebody comes to you with a problem. My instinct, like what I think is like correct, I guess, and what I immediately do is I try to offer potential solutions. Bro, like, I know exactly where you're going with this and I'm the same <laughs> way, but most people don't want that. They just want to be like comforted is what you're going to say, right? Exactly. It's like somebody comes to you, it's like, yo, this person fucked me over in this way, right? And what you should do is be like, yeah, fuck that person. Like, like <laughs> oh I got God. you. But what I do, it's like, yo, but like, did you possibly Bro, do something? I do that the caused... same thing and it gets everyone so tight. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know if maybe it's like a, like a, like a men's thing. It's just like, I don't know if the it's way or just a type of, I... maybe it's a personality type or yeah, something, but type. Like I, I try to like deal with problems and it always bites me in the ass when I try to give solutions rather than just like agreeing to death. Yeah. No, I know what you mean because I don't know. It's like, like a lot of people, I feel pe- like people complain a lot. It's human nature to complain about shit that's going wrong in your life. But for me, when I think about that, if someone's constantly complaining to me about the same problem, eventually I'll say, like, have you thought about a way to fix your situation? Or, like, you're the only person that really can change your situation. And once I start saying that, they get so fucking mad. But that's just Mm -hmm. the way I think about it. Like, of course, sometimes I complain, too. Like, everyone does. Yeah, no, I, I like, always... I like being offered solutions. Like, if someone... I usually look for solutions. I want a problem to solve it. I don't like sitting in a situation that I don't like and then letting it continue. Sometimes hearing the solution or hearing the truth hurts though. It's like it's like, yo, I I I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a hypothetical situation where it's no, like, like when something's really your fault or but you're like really in your brain you think it's someone else's fault or you made it to be a different way. 
Yeah. It's hard to hear. You fucking be told that though. And I'd rather be told that up front. Like it definitely sucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to act like I'm just chilling on what everyone tells me, but I'd rather have someone be honest and tell me something up front than me have to figure it out later. Cause I, I don't know. I feel at the end of the day, like if it's wrong, you can either pretend it's not wrong or try to better yourself. Yeah. Do you think that it's easier to communicate with uh, like a significant other who you've spent like, like sig- like so much time and effort and like you've talked all the time or do you think it's easier to like be brutally honest with like one of your boys it depends on the situation but i don't know i feel like i'm the same person doesn't matter who i'm with like i'm the same people around my fa- like the same type of person around my parents around my siblings around my friends around a significant other so like if i'm going to be brutally honest with one of them i'm going to be brutally honest with all of them okay yeah no i I fuck with that i I, like there are slight changes but i'm a weird person i'm super weird (laughs) i'm that weird in front of my significant other too because if i can't be that weird around them then are we really dating or it's like a fake relationship yeah (laughs) i might be even even be more weird with the person that i'm with and we're pretty weird with the boys (laughs) like (laughs) but uh if you want to say something else if you want to say something else say it but then i want to discuss the toxic stuff real quick all right all right my last my last thing is like i feel like there are some people where it there maybe it's their personality or like their energy it's just harder to to just be real with them like sometimes you'll have somebody like you'll have people that like fuck up you tell them they fuck up and they just like kind of accept it yeah whereas you could have people that are way more stubborn and just be like nah like i didn't do anything wrong oh yeah but then i've also just learned at that point you gotta walk away like you gave your opinion they could hear it out or not but if you try to force them to hear you out then it's never gonna work yeah but i know some people would rather just convince themselves that nothing is wrong than try to fix the problems and put that work in it's gonna be hard doing it's hard to do nothing and it's hard to do a lot it that's not the full like quote but you know what i'm saying though like yeah it's hard to sit around and not do anything but it's also hard to get up and do shit so either way there's their own problems and struggles that come with that yeah all right i'll I'll let you i'll let you talk okay. about toxic relationships well, like, i mean uh, yeah basically toxic would be the opposite of the things i mentioned but there's also some other you know negative aspects that people hear a lot like one of the people in the relationship using their power in some type of way or just the power dynamic of the relationship to control the other person and that kind of inhibits the other person to not be themselves fully or hold them back from reaching their full potential and when any of these kind of things persist without any resolve they tend to lead to resentment or at least that's what i can speak of from my personal experience like if i ever felt like in one of my past relationships that the toxicity was keeping me from you know, doing the things I wanted and being the person I fully wanted to be, then I definitely started to resent the person I was with or not even with or just the friend or the whatever kind of relationship it was. But I've had that in all different kinds of relationships. Usually everyone has a power dynamic, but you just got to know like you can't take advantage of that. Another important thing, which I feel like I might have struggled in the past with is like setting too high of expectations. And then sometimes when that gets like, to a certain point it becomes almost micromanaging 
like because the person is constantly not meeting your expectations it ends up just you being like getting mad at them for little things over and over again because in the moment it may it might be seemingly wrong but in the grand scheme of things like at the end of the day you are only you you so you can't really have any control over how anyone else acts it's just up to you to make the decision if you want them in your life or not yeah i agree with that um i definitely i definitely think that like uh one of the biggest factors of a toxic relationship is when it hinders you from when your relationship hinders you from doing what you want to do like if if your significant other or your friend or anything has expectations from you that involve like a like some time that they want to spend with you on a weekly basis, daily basis, whatever it is, I don't think that is toxic. What I do think is toxic is when they start to negatively impact other aspects of your life. Like say you start dating someone and then your relationship with your friends just basically becomes complete trash because you you're not allowed to see see them or yeah you devote like none of your time to them and like i i listen to a lot of like true crime uh podcasts and yeah like uh one of like the big um like signs of like an abusive relationship is when one partner is like controlling like the social aspects of another partner's life Yeah. yeah 100%. 100%. And it's like, it's, or it's like, yo, like, I'm going to control your spending, or like, I'll give you a budget or some shit like that. Like, all of these things are obviously toxic, like, to the extreme. I think that but, just goes against, like, the whole human nature. Like, I don't think any person, unless they're like your parents bringing you up and raising you, but even then, to a certain extent, but especially in a relationship where you're the same, on the same level kind of thing, I don't think anyone should have control over you, like, your money and. If you're married with someone and you do do that shared bank account shit, like it's both your money. So you both have to like it's it's collective decision. It can't be one person telling you what to do with that or when you can see your friends or how often you can go out. At the end of the day, if, if they're if they're doing things that like they're doing, they're seeing their friends too much or they're doing something that you don't like. It's up to you if that's enough to break up or enough to end the relationship right there. But yeah. it's not up to you to tell them what to do and how to act. Do you think that like there are some toxic behaviors that can be worked through? Or do you oh, think yeah. that? No, I definitely feel anything. I feel like if you want any relationship to work, you can work it out through communication and trial and error and saw, making resolutions. But I mean, there are definitely some that aren't reversible or like if you're like hitting or physical abuse or a lot of mental abuse because that just creates lasting effects and and also that like cheating and stuff like if you cheat i think a relationship is done after that it's hard to salvage anything yeah for sure because the trust is gone i think it all all of these things can be traced back to those like principles all right let's let's i guess transition um into talking about friendship rather than just strictly relationships so uh i'm gonna put a question out there john feel free to like Uh, say whatever you want what do you think is the role of a best friend in your life Uh, i think a role of a best friend is is basically like a ride or die you know like someone that i mean it definitely helps or maybe in my situation when you've been through things together because there's that like bond that's created but it doesn't have to you can meet someone the next day and then they be your best friend but i think it's someone that you know, you can rely on someone that checks in on you and you both are looking out for their best interest. Yeah. 
Yeah, something my something my dad always says, like as like an immigrant to the U.S. Um, he was always saying like like anyone will be your friend when like life is great and you're doing well, but a good weather friend. Yeah, like your true friends are revealed when like you're down bad and like life is complete garbage, and those are the people that are still there with you, still like. Like basically, that everything is unaffected regardless of your circumstances. The boys when we were getting railed at Stony Brook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, and then is is that relationship that you have with your best friend or friends? Is that different from like the relationship you have like with the boys or the girls, like just in general? Uh, I mean the. I feel, just feel like there's different categories of friends. Like, I don't have one best friend. I probably have, like, a few best friends. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that is, like, the whole squad. But then there's also people that you go out to have a good time with. Or like, you know, there's different people that you know the right situations to hang out with them in. But at the yeah, end of the day, exactly. you do, I think everyone has, or hopefully, or should, at least one or multiple, like, a squad where mm-hmm. no matter the thing, you could be with them but then there's also maybe that person that one friend you know you can always call when you're like i don't even know it's i, I think i explained my point like it's just different categories different situations to uh different friendships yeah, yeah no i think there are definitely like those friends that like are the most fun people in your life and if you want to have a good time like you could go to that person or those people and you know you will have a good time. And then there are those friends that, like, if you're going through, like, a rough patch in your life, like, you rely on them for, like, their support and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe like maybe this isn't, like, this doesn't apply to everyone. But I've always thought that, like, your, like, your bet, like, absolute best friends are the ones that are there for you when you're down bad. Like, when... When shit's just going, everything in your life is just going wrong, and you still have, like, that group of people that's just, like, supporting you through it all, I think those are your true best friends. Okay, yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Like, uh, if you're like, yeah, I want to go get fucked up, like, let's go have fun. Anyone, anyone who's willing to do that, but no, most people don't want to sit there and listen to you, like, complain, but I feel like that's why our group chat with the boys, like we'll go from posting like, you know, deep fried memes or something like really cringy stuff, or we'll go, we'll be talking about the market or talking about jobs, but then randomly one of us will be like, Hey, like, you know, like, especially during COVID, we'll just like start talking about our feelings and then we all join in and we all like make each other feel better. And like, that's what the point is. Right. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. All right. I know I've been asking you a lot of questions, but I'll ask you probably like two more. It's fine because I have some for you after. <laughs> Excellent. So, do you think humans are selfish by nature, and are they closest to people when it's most convenient for them? They definitely are selfish by nature, but we also are conscious. So at the same time, like at least for me, morally, like I, or at least I try not to. Maybe sometimes I have lapses of judgment and I make mistakes, but if I know someone's going to provide me something and we're going to have a good time and all this positive stuff at the same time, I 
would feel bad if I wasn't there for them during the bad times. Like yeah. for me personally, I feel like all of that comes together. Yeah, um, no, I I definitely agree. But by um, nature, yeah, I think if if people weren't thinking about that and weren't conscious about being there for others, we would just constantly go out and search for the gratification that we can get for ourselves. Yeah, and I feel like like your best friends are more likely to be people that you see like all the time. And like like Moose in fucking Wisconsin, he's still one of my best friends and I talk to him like almost every day. But it's definitely it's harder to talk to him and like now that both of us are working and like we have to like cook and clean and do shit like that, like it's definitely harder to like maintain our friendship versus like when we were in college, we had the same major. We were always fucking around in class and shit. Um, but I think, like, if you really want to, like, keep a strong friendship, that then you can. Yeah, I think if you want, if you want anything to work like that, you'll almost subconsciously put the effort in to make it work. But exactly. the thing I was gonna, I wanted to make a point of, uh, what's that? It's like if someone's your real friend and you actually mean something to each other, you could not talk for two years, but when you come back, it's like day one, like nothing ever happened. Yeah. It's as if like like, a lot of my best friends or close friends at least. Yeah. It's as if like they never left like our, like Omar who literally just disappeared, spent a year in Egypt and came back. I totally forgot that. Yeah. He was gone. Yeah. And then the whole COVID he was gone and then he came back and yeah, And then we saw him. I haven't seen him in literally two years because I didn't see him the whole time before that. He went to Stony Brook like twice, but I didn't even catch him. He went to hang out Mm -hmm. with other people. But and then when we saw him, it was literally like nothing. Yeah, that felt super good. Uh, It was good to see him. Yeah, no, that was it was was so nice seeing him again. And like after sitting and like like just talking with him, it felt like we were back in West. Like, yeah, it felt like nothing ever changed, even though this man just spent a year in Egypt. All right. Uh, I yeah. promise you one more question. Oh, one more question. Okay. Um, do you think friendships are always formed organically? Uh, I mean, I, it depends what you think organically is, right? But like, I think... Have I, you ever... I mean, like the topic we were discussing before with dating apps, I don't necessarily think that's organically. I don't think it's organically at all, to be honest. it's You're purposely going out and seeking that connection. So it's not organic. It's on purpose. But... I uh, I think they definitely can be. And that's, you know, like the spontaneous meetings between people or this new person at your job that you end up becoming close with. And I also feel like those are the ones that they happen more naturally and sometimes even quicker. I feel like when there's no pressure behind it, it's all, it's all just what you're feeling. So if the vibes are there, then the energy's there and it all clicks. Yeah, and it's it's always crazy when like you've been friends with somebody for years and then you try to think back it's like wait how how did we meet again or it's like how did this group become what it is and you're just trying to think like recollect like how every single like basically every piece of the puzzle just fit perfectly to get your current group of friends and it's it's wild like you meet your friends like like brendan was at like my orientation table and was like asking me for directions to get to the car that he parked. And I was like, bro, I don't know where your car is. 
Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, we need to dive into this real quick, at least for a couple minutes of how our whole friend group met, because it's, I mean, we were talking about this the other day. I don't know if it would have happened if it didn't happen when it did, but I feel like the people that we were on campus and how Stony Brook is, we probably would have ended up becoming f- somewhat friends at some point. But for you to be in his orientation group, and then the first day of freshman, like fall semester, I was in a lab with... Zied, Brendan, and Andrew. And then for all of us to become friends somehow and become lab partners, and then to carry that into another semester, and then to meet you and to meet Kyle and to meet Moose, and then all of us to join PyLam. <laughs> I'm just yeah, a lot of things crazy. happened to get it where it was. But that's also the thing about in the beginning of college, you don't know anyone. So you're much more willing. But that's a good point, I guess, like the mindset, if you're willing and in a position to want to make friends, then you'll probably be like better suited to do it. I don't know. But then if you're not in a space where you want to meet new people, you're probably not going to because you're not going to put yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're like comfortable with the people you have in your life already, then you might not actively seek out meeting new people, making new relationships and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like I told you before, when we would have like parties or we'd have mixers at the house, we might not be allowed to say that, but we're going to say it anyway. <laughs> when we would have get togethers at our house for the fraternity. Yeah. Um, by the time senior year came around, I would just go to bed because I didn't really care to meet new people at that point. I already had enough friends, enough people from Stony Brook that I knew. I was at the stage where I didn't need that forced interaction of meeting new people. Yeah. I remember you were Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> but then at, at the same time, when I was a freshman, I would go to every event, like super excited, ready to meet new people because I was in the place where I wanted that and I needed more friends at Sony Brook. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you done with questions? I can fire a couple off of you. Yeah, I think I'm good for now. Okay. So I guess it's a good point to ask this. What do you consider a best friend or what do you think is the difference of a best friend or a soulmate? All right. Um, like soulmate in like a romantic way, anyway. you think? I mean, that's up to your interpretation. interpretation. Because I think soulmate is, it can be anyone. But I'll, I'll respond after you give yours. All right, word. Um, I, think, I think a soulmate is just somebody who sees eye to eye i think i think that's how the expression goes they like you see them and everything just makes sense like everything is easy it's seamless um like it's as if like you could meet somebody and you could feel like you've known them for years just off of like your initial interaction yeah i like that and a best friend i think is something that definitely takes time um like you don't meet somebody and become best friends with them overnight you have to like what like what we were saying earlier it's like you got to struggle together you got to have good times together and i think that's what makes a best friend but i definitely think that your best friend or your significant other could also be your soulmate like you could have met somebody and like as soon as you met like you were just vibing like everything was like excellent and um you couldn't have imagined that person any other way like they were the perfect fit for you 
And with time, they become your best friend. So then I think your best friend could be your soulmate. And um, yeah, that's it. That's all I, I like have to say. I like that. Uh, I agree with most of it. Um, I think soulmates can be people like like you said just how the energy is right away like it feels like you've known them your whole life but i also feel like soulmates can be people you know that come they come into your life with a purpose and Mm -hmm. that may not mean staying around for a while it could be a short-lived relationship but they taught you something really important or they opened your eyes to something that changed your life or they were someone that stuck around forever and maybe in the background or you ran into them every couple years something like that but it's it's a certain type of connection i feel like and while a best friend can be a soulmate i mean i guess they're they're reversible but i think the soulmate part is a little bit different than the best friend part i think like you said how it develops over time that's definitely by going through trials and tribulations i feel like that makes a best friend relationship stronger but the soulmate relationship it's already the connection that's already there yeah, for sure. I don't know. Just my opinion. Could be total bullshit. <laughs> nah, nah, I agree with you. Um, Got one more or two more, but uh, kind of just talking about different types of friendships or connections or relationships. Uh, How similar are friendships, like the boys or a fr- friendship you have with a girl even? How are those similar to intimate relationships? I think... um. I mean, I, I hate to give like a cliche answer, but there's extremely similar and also extremely different. Um, the ways that they're similar, I think uh, at least like f- speaking from personal experience, like a relationship is is like the type of thing where you need to put effort in, like the amount of effort that you put in is what you get out of a relationship. And like, if you're, like, a lazy fuck and you're a terrible boyfriend, girlfriend, like, whatever, um, your relationship's going to suck. And I think that's inevitable that if you're if you're just a lazy person, your relationship will not be great. And I think that's the same, that's, like, the same shit for a friendship. Like, if you're a terrible friend, like, it might not happen immediately, but over time, like, you will be dropped because... If you're if you're the type of friend that's like never there for anyone and every time that like people make a good memory that like they'll remember forever you're not there like shit like that like then your friendship isn't really as valuable to people as as if um as somebody who is actually putting in effort and making it apparent that they truly value that friendship um Things that I think are definitely different. Um, hmm. I think friendships, uh, depending on the person, depending on like the exact situation, you you share different types of information with your friends and with your significant other. Um, like in terms of like, work success and like personal successes i don't know i feel like that's that's the type of thing that i talk to luna about all the time um it's like yo like i did this thing like are you proud of me it's like almost as if like i'm like a fucking child but 
I, I feel like I don't do that as much with my friends. Like, like with when you're with your friends, it's it's not like you got like a like an image to keep where it's like, yo, I'm like so like fucking dope. But no, like, no, no, no. Well, that's just our society. Like dudes having to be dudes, and if you express your sensitivities, then you're like a bitch. But I mean, obviously, yeah, like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Like you're you're the type of person that I I, I could yeah. Like I could tell you like. Like sometimes I watch like rom coms with Luna over Netflix party or whatever it is, and like there's shit that makes me cry. Like I'm not gonna be like, yo, bro, like I, I have like fucking titanium testicles. Like I do not cry. It's like every once in a while, like if I, especially like family, family type shit in movies gets to me like almost every single time, like without failure. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like you're you're more real with somebody in a relationship like as unfortunate as that is but i feel like there are some friendships where it's like you still have that like same type of energy where it's like i could tell you literally anything and i know i won't be judged like at all yeah so because, I, well you know that because i say stuff that's like bro like did that kid really just say that shit? Like, <laughs> like disgusting. So it's much easier for you to at that point because you're like, if this isn't nearly as bad, then I could say it. Yeah. I yeah, I think um like if I if I had to like sum it up, like your friends are the people that you complain about your significant other to, and your significant other is a person that you complain about your friends to. That's actually heavy facts. I can relate to that. Uh it kind of talks about what you were saying before, like dropping friends or getting dropped by a significant other at some point, if you're not really providing anything, like at the end of the day, the a relationship is supposed to provide you with something, right? Any connection that you have. Yeah. And you're supposed to also provide something for them. But that mm-hmm. does, that doesn't mean that at all times you both need to be providing stuff for each other because people go through ups and downs of life. So there are points in the relationship where maybe you felt like you weren't getting all the boxes checked or you weren't feeling as satisfied, but maybe your partner was like suffering a little bit or going through a hard time. So then you put in some extra effort to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And then in return, when they got back up on their feet, like emotionally or mentally or whatever, they returned the favor kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So, But the point is like, no matter the relationship, it always seems like at any point in time, one person seems to rely maybe for lack of a better word on the other more than the other person relies on them. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And it goes through like stages, like at any one point in time, somebody has it worse than the other or somebody's like got more on their plate and they just have to, um, like the more, the more shit that you have to do, like on a daily basis or like things that are just constantly like consuming you or taking away like your mental energy, like it leaves you with less time to do things for other people. Like as, as like, I just want to say like, like, like relationships are not like strictly like business where it's like products. Like if this does not, provide me with value then it is useless to me <laughs> and but i don't know i i don't think I mean, it's if, sick if, you went, if you go like 
the whole relationship and you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it, then I feel like that's a good indication to leave. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then it's like, it's almost like, why are you even in it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Humans are fucked up. (laughs) Shit don't make no sense. We're trying to make sense of it, though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Are you good? Because I think we could break off and then do our second part. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Now let's talk a little bit more about Tinder specifically. Um, and kind of like it'll, it'll represent the entirety of like the whole online dating scene and apps and all of that. Do you think Tinder was intended to be a place for people to find hookups initially? I mean, not initially, no, but I feel like as time has gone on and society has developed, it's just lent itself that way. But I don't know. I think it. I mean, of course, at first it was it was a dating app, right? Uh, that's a, a, at least yeah. what I thought. Maybe the intention wasn't. Yeah, I think I think uh, like hookups and stuff like that have become a lot more normalized recently. As they um, should. Maybe, yeah, like maybe within like the past ten or twenty years, um, compared to like generations and boomers and shit. Like if like if a boomer was told that like somebody had a body count like in the double digits i'm sure like they would not think that's okay and the hell they go <laughs> i think everyone everyone's uh like opinions on that kind of stuff are like like you're free to your own opinion uh, yeah i just think some people force their opinion onto others that's yeah like, which i is... have my own opinions of all that kind of stuff but i also realize that everyone else is their own individual so yeah it's up to me to decide who I fuck with at that point. Yeah, for sure. All right, let me fire off some Tinder statistics, and then um, then I'll give you the floor. So as of, I believe, late 2020, uh, Tinder has 57 million users around the world, 5.9 million Tinder subscriptions, or I'm sorry, Tinder subscribers pay for a premium Tinder Plus and or Tinder Gold. Tinder is used in 190 countries around the world and is really? available. More than 10% people pay for the premium. Yeah, Damn, I guess. Wild. I ain't never paying for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's available in 40 languages. Tinder uh, processes 1 billion swipes per day. Uh, that was as of late 2014. And currently has risen to about 1.6 billion so they've seen like 60 percent growth in like the past seven years tinder users go on 1 million dates per week um i have no idea how that statistic was collected but maybe it was like some kind of uh market research type of thing over 20 billion matches have been made since tinder launched which is wild because that's what almost three times the number of people on the planet. Over 50% of active Tinder users are active at 9 p.m., which I, I find hysterical. Like and 9 p.m. Given, out, maybe trying to meet someone real quick. And it's also it's just like that's sad, sad boy hours, sad girl hours, like whatever it is. Like, especially I feel like what that's like 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. Like that's when you're really thirsty if you're reaching out at those times. <laughs> Like I, I've never used, I've never used Tinder. I've been in a relationship for like most of like my mature life, I guess. But 
like I I've seen like my friends on Tinder and like like you could be sitting with them in a group and they just start swiping and it's just like like what like why yeah um, yeah I don't know I've never I've tr- like been on it and I've used it multiple times but it's always for like a short period of time and then get off and then maybe go on for a little bit again I I've never been consistent and I it just seems forced to me yeah how about this some active Tinder users log in an average of four times a day. Uh, Various studies show different percentages, but most find that 18 to 24 demographic forms the core user base. Tinder's parent company, Match Group, reported $444 million of revenue in quarter three of 2018. Yeah, so that was just a bunch of numbers and facts, but... I don't know. I feel like there are a few of those figures that definitely stand out, like the like the average um, number of times you open up Tinder per day is four. Uh, and the number like, of matches made since Tinder launch. And yeah, some of those like more specific ones are pretty interesting. Puts things into perspective. Yeah, over 20 billion matches. That's fucking wild. All right, so I guess I'll go into some of the untangibles. Or like kind of wrap up the whole idea of how we might look at this or think about it. This kind of culture affects and maybe interferes with like the natural dating scene or does it support the dating scene in a way? Or how do, how does this just change our entire look at like society and dating and sex and all that kind of stuff? I feel like it's caused our society to become so much more open and accepting and for some people not willingly but at the end of the day this is the generation that's coming up and all this stuff sexuality is being uh like normalized even more like it's just the times coming with the times but i think it's just interesting to see how maybe back in the day even like five six seven eight years ago it was like i don't know if i could say that but there's like back in time like you weren't really supposed to talk about this stuff. Like it was more private. You kept your private life private and you still do, but it's just talked about more in a general sense. Like people are trying to educate each other and talk about how finding what you like is good and sexual experimentation and how that, that maybe leads into like LGBTQA stuff, like people being accepting of the fact that people are attracted to different things, different kinds of people, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I feel like that's definitely a positive that's come out of all of this kind of kind of thing. I don't know if it's the reason, but I think it definitely supports it in some way because it brings grounds for discussion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely uh, made room for people to just, like you said, just be more open about their interests and like things that previously were just like a taboo topic to talk about i may, maybe i didn't use taboo correctly hopefully i did but no, i think you did um yeah no i just like, think like at the end of the day we're all like we're all animals we're all like these horny individuals that have our secrets and do our own things and have need to suck. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> one one way to say it but yeah it's like it it was just shit that we don't talk about and keep behind closed doors. So like, wouldn't it be better as a society if we all like 
together spoke about these things, made it normal, made it okay for kids to talk about it. So they're safe when doing things like the way that they approach health education back in the day when I was growing up, it was like, you should be scared about getting pregnant and getting an STD because you're going to die. Like people still have sex anyway. Like naturally that's something we need to do at a certain point in our lives, or maybe it's not. Some people don't need to, but for a large majority of us, we do with some type of person or a, a gender that we're attracted to. So I mean, I, just, I think I, th- I don't think we should. What I think, just real quick, when you said kids, um, I say kids. Yeah, no, you said kid. I mean, I know what you meant. I know you meant like like people who are teenagers. Like oh yeah, people I and say like, kids. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there. The thing is that like there are people that I remember when I was in middle school. Like boys and girls, it was like I mean, kids. The, there are kids, teenagers. Like they're fucking kids. And yeah, and people are sexually active. Yeah, these people are in like, like middle school, like just like discovered like their like their genitalia, and they're already having sex, and it's insane. Yeah, and they don't know enough about it. Like, there's stuff that I've learned just in the past couple of years, or and still learning. It's like new things about how it all really works. You know? Yeah. Just like you know, looking random shit up on the internet. And I think if you're a kid and you just started coming into your body and all this stuff if you're going to be doing it then i don't might think as you well should, be safe you should be honest open and talking about it like you shouldn't have to be hiding it from people because then you make mistakes because you don't know if there were mm-hmm. educated people talking to you about it then you'd be a little smarter yeah for sure i don't know but at the end of the day i think this new generation is like we're bringing on all these different ideas and challenging the status quo that's always been and it's good i think it's definitely like healthier while there are negative things that have come out of this, I think overall there are equally as many positives. And I think it all has to do with just the progression of our society and people expressing themselves, you know, being open and honest with each other and just not living your life a lie or things like that. Like always keeping your truth. I think that's, uh, that's really important. And I feel like that might've been something that was suppressed maybe in previous generations. Yeah. Cause it was more like, we don't care. We don't want to hear about it. So just don't talk about it. And then people suffer when they can't talk. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, like the overarching theme is that, um, like there's progress to be made and there has been progress in the way that relationships are viewed in the world. Um, I think, uh, especially like, since like social media has um, become more prevalent in society that um, like you're able to find a community in like, regardless of your interests with, which I think is really important. Right. And uh, I feel like I'm, I might be talking in circles, but I think it's, it's good that people just feel more comfortable in their own skin and talking about the things that they do like either privately or in some type of way, hopefully yeah. in some way instead of not at all. But yeah, yeah. I think, I think we portrayed the, the idea. Yeah, and most importantly, everybody needs a suck. It's an undeniable fact. Yeah. Whatever that the suck is for you, you need it. Probably. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. We're going to transition out. Well, this wraps up our second episode. We're excited to continue to improve and provide our listeners with quality content. Thank you guys for tuning into Black Box and be sure to join us next time as we discuss another interesting topic. We'll keep this shit as close to off the dome as we can without sounding completely unprepared. Reach out to us through our email, blackboxsubmission at gmail.com for ideas or any type of cool conversation. We're working to develop our social media presence, so like Twitter and Instagram, and we'll get better at this shit with each episode. Thanks, guys.